Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello there. Welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. With me today is Eric Nerwich. He's an executive coach who draws on 20 years of experience in the tech industry to help leaders have more impact. Before becoming a coach, Eric spent 10 years as an engineer and product manager across several startups and the tech giant, Google. Eric is also the author of You Have a Choice When Working Harder Isn't Working. Hello, Eric, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hello, Leticia. It's great to be here. Well, fantastic. So, Eric, tell us a bit about your early years. You know, did, would, did you always love technology? Were you always a kid passionate about that side? Or how did you end up, uh, you know, eventually into the career you chose? Ah, uh, well, I... It was definitely not a technologist early on. Uh, my mom raised me as a scientist, actually. She had been a research scientist before uh, quitting the lab to have kids. And so she, her intent was always like, I'm going to raise a PhD scientist. So that was uh, the uh, intention for me from a very early age. Like even when I was, I think, probably nine or 10 years old, my mom was like, you have to bring home one science book from the library every time you go. Uh, okay. So that was the kind of the way I was raised. And yeah, so that was the intent. And I, uh, so I went to school and actually studied physics. Um, and with the intention of going down that whole path, getting a PhD, becoming a professor, the whole nine yards. But about three years and well, actually really one year into my PhD program, I realized I didn't want to be a physicist. I didn't want to spend all my time thinking about physics. And then it took me two more years to figure out like, what else could I do with my life? Because like, I'd spent my whole life focused on one thing. And I was like, uh, what do I do if I don't do the one thing I've been raised to do? Wow, that's uh, a great realization. <laughs> it was tough. But fortunately, <laughs> this was uh, around 1998, which was the dot-com era here in Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. where I was going to school. And I knew how to program computers. And somebody said, like, hey, you can program computers. Here's a lot of money. Come program computers. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that sounds like a much better idea <laughs> than like making no money doing something I'm not passionate about. So mm -hmm. that's why I got into the technology industry. That's great. That's great. You know, especially when somebody hands you the money to say, go do this. That's already uh, a sign of luck there. <laughs> Absolutely. I was very lucky. It was it was somebody I knew through college and he was like, yeah, I know you. You're you'll you don't you know, you'll figure it out. The rest <laughs> like I know, you know, I know, you know this. I know you know that you'll figure the rest out. That's so gave great. Me a chance. That's great. That's amazing. And so, of course, you went in through that, that phase, startups, I'm sure you felt, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm in a great spot and you go to work for Google, which is by all means, a lot of people in that se sector could be defined as a dream job. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah. So I spent about 10 years working at different startups as a software engineer programming computers and then also doing a little bit of product management. So trying to figure out what to build. Google, yeah, was about 10 years into my career when I actually had switched tracks at that point because I had learned that engineering alone wasn't enough to be successful. 
Uh, I had been at one company that had a great engineering team, but still went bankrupt. (laughs) And I was like, wait a second. If I'm doing my job as an engineer and the company goes bankrupt, there's something I'm missing. And Mm -hmm. what it turned out I was missing was business matters, making money matters, and leadership matters. Mm -hmm. So I pivoted my career and uh, took a degree in technology management, which was like an MBA for tech people. And after doing that, I was looking for a job that would let me combine my interest in technology and my new interest in business. And that's when I joined Google. And I actually joined as a revenue forecaster. So joined, you know, somebody, somebody took advantage of my physics background and quantitative analysis, my tech background, and mm-hmm. my newfound business interest. That's great. That's fantastic. And so you, um, I think you were there for six years and then something, then you have <laughs> an aha moment. Well, I was actually there for 10 years. Uh, I spent the first three or four years doing that revenue forecasting and business modeling role, and then six years as the chief of staff to the search ads team at Google. So that means I was doing business strategy and operations for that team. And I would—I guess I, I wouldn't say I had an aha moment, but it was a slow realization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like I woke up one morning and said, this is how I'm going to do to change my life. It was more... Um, a few years into being chief of staff, which was a great job and I loved it. And I learned a lot. I kind of had, I was thinking like, what do I want next in my career? I, there was one path, which was just keep working at Google, keep doing what I was doing and kind of progressing along that track. But I felt that there was something missing in doing that. I felt like in particular, mostly what I was getting measured on was helping Google make more money. And mm-hmm. You know, this is the richest company in the world, and my job was to make it richer. And that's important because uh, Google funds a lot of great things with those those profits that are free, like Gmail is free and YouTube is free, and all these things are free because we make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, that wasn't filling what I wanted. And, you know, this is where I was really attracted to your podcast, connecting to the essence of you. I wasn't connecting to the essence of me. Mm. And when I thought back to what I really wanted, it was to connect to people, to help people, to help people get unstuck, figure out what they want to do. And so that's what led to my turn to coaching, because that was what really called to my essence. Mm, I love that. Thank you for telling that, you know, our tagline that sometimes I don't uh, say that much, but it's true. It's so important. And, uh, you know, and then I don't know what came first, the book, but, you know, even on the book and the title you gave it, you have a choice. I think when you describe how you slowly came in it, could it be that you slowly came into that realization that I have a choice to live this, which I think is where a lot of people get stuck? Absolutely. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure out some of the choices I had available to me. So early in my time at Google, I burned myself out working too hard trying to earn a promotion. And it wasn't until I was like lying in bed sick, my body completely drained that I was like, wait, do I have to go get the promotion? What if I did it? <laughs> what if I stopped working so hard and didn't get the promotion? And it was like, wait, I have a choice. I could stop doing this. And that was like this epiphany, like, oh, wait, I could just not do that. And it, I went in to work um, after getting out of bed, you know, after I got recovered. And my, told my manager, like, I'm not working that hard work. I'm going to give up the promotion. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, nah, I'm just not doing it. She's like, uh, I guess you can do that, but then you're not getting the promotion. I'm like, yep. And if you can't handle the work, I'll give it to somebody that can. I'm like, okay. And, <laughs> and that's what happened. They, she took away half my team 
and slashed my performance rating. And I was happier. Now, that was a really pivotal moment for me because mm-hmm. instead of feeling like I had to get the next promotion, no matter what, I realized it was a choice. Mm-hmm. And you and put then, yourself first. And I put myself first, which I had never done before. And that led to several years later, then this shift to coaching where I realized like, hey, the job I'm doing doesn't really resonate with me anymore. It's not what I want to do. It's what I'm good at. It's what I get paid very well to do. But it's not what my heart wants. And Mm. again, I realized, oh, I could step off the Google train, which felt very scary because it's like a lot of money. It's the job everybody else wants. It's the dream job, as you said. And I was like, maybe I don't want this. Maybe this isn't my dream anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so those are two key moments where I realized I could make a choice that was different than what other people expected, different what society expected. And... Uh, several years later, then I wrote this book to kind of share what I learned along the way so that other people can see the choices they might be making and they have that maybe they don't see the way I didn't see it at the time. Hmm. And uh, that's very interesting. I love when the, you know, when people get to, into detail of what you were feeling, because you said you recognized that you were burnt out. And I think a lot of people have recognized that, like that they are just operating basically with the bare bones because they have been burned out. How do you recover from that? How how can somebody that feels that way, either that either that they want to leave their job or not, but how do you recover from a burnout? I mean, for me, I had to just stop working so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the, no, step number one was uh, I'd been working 8 a.m. until midnight most days and working most weekends. And that just wasn't sustainable. And it's, it wasn't that I, I, I'd like to say I could figure out I was burning out, but I didn't actually realize I was burnt out until I woke up with 103 degree fever on Christmas day and couldn't get out of bed for a week. Like that was Mm -hmm. pretty strong sign that something was not right. Yeah. Um, but to recover it, it, the, there, there's two kind of components to burnout. One is being exhausted, just doing more than you can handle. But the other is not believing in what you do. Like if you don't believe in what you do, if you don't believe that you're having an impact, that's part of burnout also. So it's like both. You can actually work hard and feel good about it. If you believe in what you do, you believe you're making a difference. Mm -hmm. But if you are working hard and feeling like it's not making any difference, that's really leads to burnout. Mm -hmm. So to recover from burnout, it's like, first of all, can you uh, bring your bring what you're doing back in line with what you can actually do. Like if you're committing to too much, can you what can you do less of so that you can actually handle the work that you have in front of you? And then secondly, how can you find yourself more aligned with your purpose? You're like more aligned again with that essence of you. Because mm-hmm. that's if you can do that, then you're going to find a way out of burnout. I love it, and uh, you know I I did bad exercise a few years back and actually that was something one of the reasons why this podcast was born because it was like i need to work on what my heart wants and i knew Mm. i wasn't gonna quit my job i work with for the family business so i'm very inspired by just pushing the legacy of the family but at the same time if you if you're 20 years in the same job you know you do feel like how do i find a change how do i find something that inspires me 
and then the podcast and inspire conversations and helping others get inspired, you know, very much resonated with me too. And so I found a way to create this podcast in a way where now it complements what I do and I'm not completely out of it. So as a coach, how do you help others finding that why, finding that way? I mean, is it, or, or what advice do you have? Is it, do, I, do they need to work with a coach or how can people start discovering those things for themselves? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you recognize there was something missing in your life and then you did something about it. Because I think that's the part that most people skip. They're like, I'm stuck. My life is, there's nothing else I can do. This is the family business. I don't have any options here. Yep. I said, what if I started a podcast? And you tried it. Exactly. And it, I, I often um, tell my clients as a coach to try an experiment. Try something. Try something new. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to quit your job and move around the world. But like, what's one thing you could do in 30 minutes or an hour this week that's something different and see if, how it feels? So for you, it's like, I'm going to try podcasting. And you did it and you liked it and you did more of it. For me, when I was having this moment, I was describing to a friend, like, what I really love is like this connection, helping somebody get unstuck, helping people figure out what to do. My friend was like, that sounds like coaching. Have you considered coaching? And I'm like, uh, that's a job? And they're like, uh, yeah. But instead of like quitting my quitting Google and becoming a coach right away, I tried it out. I asked my friends in my network, hey, does anybody want coaching? And a few people said yes. And I tried it. I tried a few, like one hour a week. And they're like, they, they enjoyed it. They got value from it. I really enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, I like this. I'm good at this. I should do more of this. And then step by step, I moved my way into a new career. So that's what I try to help my clients do when I work with them. It's first, get an idea of what excites them. What is something that really connects to their passion, to their essence, to their inner self? And then try an experiment. Try it in even a little bit, like 30 minutes a week. Try something in that realm, whether it's art, whether it's cooking, whether it's helping people, whether it's helping a community. Do something. And then if you like it, do more of it. It's not that complicated, mm. but people don't feel they have the permission to do that because they're like, ooh, if I give up anything in my life, everything's going to fall apart. And I'm like, I promise you it won't. You'll be okay. Mm. That's very interesting. And and I totally agree. And I think that's uh, sometimes that uh, that lack of clarity and focus that I think you mentioned uh, in your book, it's uh, we we do have the tools, we do have the information. It's just we don't tap into that clarity or we don't request that clarity from from our own inner self do you see that with your with your clients oh absolutely all the time it's people come in and they they tell me like oh i I, i'm getting a coach because i want to get promoted like okay what's going to be different after you get promoted and they're like what do you mean like well like literally like what's going to be different in your life after you're promoted and it takes them a while to answer that sometimes. Like, well, no, but the point is the promotion. I'm like, no, it isn't. The pro- mm-hmm. There's something you're going to get out of being promoted. And they're like, well, people would listen to me more. Oh, so what you really want is people to listen to you. They're like, uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm like, okay, we can work on that without getting promoted. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Or, Do you find that the materialistic side of things confuse a lot of us like the just following the why it usually leads to you know more money just like when they offer you the promotion and it's almost like are you crazy they're gonna pay you more and people just 
convince themselves. And that's why I love the name of your book so much in terms of you have a choice. Like they just think this is just the way it should happen. You know, you work more, you get more money. You go work more and then it's always like, you know, you're on a bus that you don't know where it's going to take you in terms of happiness, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's. I think that's one of the dangers of being in our, at least American society, which is very, as you said, materialistic. It, it measures your life along one dimension. It's like, how much money do you have? Like, that's all the all that like capitalism cares about. How much money do you have? And we as humans are much more than just a bank account, right? Like we are whole people. Like we connect. We relate. We live in relationship, in community, in connection, and none of that is measured by money. And so, yeah, it gets very, I think people get lost in chasing the money because it's so easy to measure. It's a number you can make go up and people love that. And investing time in your friends, how do you measure that? How do you make that number go up? It's, it's something that I think people really struggle with, which is why I try to get people back to like this inner self. What are the emotional needs that are missing in their life? And when we connect to that, then we start to realize, oh, what I really want is respect or connection or safety or freedom. I'm like, okay, those are those are different things than money. Like, yes, money can get you freedom. If you make enough money, you can you're free to do whatever you want. But there's ways in which you could be free today if you make a different choice. Hmm. Very good. Very good. So I know your webpage is too many trees.com. Is that correct? Yes. So yes. tell me a little bit about the name, how you chose that name. So there's a saying uh, of you can't see the forest for the trees. And the idea is like when you're in the forest and there's trees everywhere, you can't see the whole thing. You can't see the big picture because there's just too many trees in the way. And when I was starting my coaching business, uh, my idea was like, I want to help people see the big picture to get out of the forest, look at it from above and realize, oh, this is the trees on which I'm navigating. And so that was kind of the idea. Too many trees help keep us from seeing the big picture. And also, mm -hmm. I just thought it was a cool name and the web, the domain was available. So I got it. Well, it is a cool name. I say, oh, I like this name. You know, it's, a, it's also, you know, not expected. I love it, especially in coaching businesses <laughs> where people are also creative. So I love that. So you so you work with a lot of leaders and executives. Could you share a little bit about the characteristics that you see in, in effective executives or leaders? Sure. I mean, one of them is, you already touched on it, which is this idea of clarity and focus. And what I mean by that is you can't do everything. You can't do, certainly you can't do everything well, whether you're an individual or a company. So if you're a leader of an organization, of a company, and you're like, we're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And you have 10 priorities. You're not going to do any of them well. The mm -hmm. best leaders are like, this is the most important thing. And we're going to focus on that. And we're going to say no to other things, even if they're good ideas, to really make progress on the one most important thing. And that's what I mean by focus. There's a, um, a quote by Steve Jobs where he said something like this. It was something like, people think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that you have so that you can focus on the one thing that's most important. Mm. And that's, I think, the hard part is saying no to good ideas, saying no to good opportunities, 
so you can focus on the one thing that's really important, really going to make a difference. Mm, I love that. I have to say, and and everybody, I say guilty as charged. You know, when you you have to follow different paths and you don't know what you don't have a crystal ball to say what's you know gonna happen first or better or you know and then you 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 sometimes it's very hard to say no but uh, i'm totally on board with that so you know tell us the book tell us a little bit about you know what you wanted to achieve with it and of course we are, we'll all share the link where people can buy it because it sounds it sounds like a great read to me yeah, so the book came about because I've been working as a coach for about four years now, and I realized I was saying similar ideas, similar stories to a lot of my clients. And so if it's advice, it's only good for one person, that wouldn't be that interesting. But when I've said it to 20, 30, 40 people, and they're all like, ooh, that's helpful. I was like, maybe it could be helpful to more people. And so the book is sharing some of these lessons that I learned in my own personal development, my own realization that I had a choice, that I could work less, that I could choose to work on something that was personally meaningful, that I could step away from trying to earn more and more money and choose a job that makes me less money, but leaves me far more meaningful and satisfied. And I've taken the lessons I used in my own life and I've helped my clients with them as well. And this book is an attempt to take those lessons and put it into book form to let people go on this journey themselves. So in terms of what we're talking about here, the very first chapter is called AIM. It's how to get that clarity. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want for my life? What is important to me? And I go, I lead the reader through several exercises to kind of get a better sense of what would be important. Like, if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do? If you had no financial constraints, what would you do with your time? How would you fill your day? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to hear what people come up with when they think about that. And like, okay, how could you do something in that realm today? And they're like, oh, I can't. Like, well, but if you could, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I would like, no, I'd live on the beach in Mexico. Okay. Can you go on a week long trip to the beach in Mexico? Like, and they're, they always come up with reasons why they can't. It's like, well, but, but if you could, what would that be like? So we start trying these experiments to nudge people in the direction they want to go. I'm fascinated by what you just described, because I know, you know, as you say, when, when I thought about my podcast, I just went and did it. And I, I've always been like that. But then mm -hmm. that that puts, I feel sometimes puts pressure on people around me that want to do something, but they don't, you know, because then they see, they see somebody that, you know, say, I said, the worst that can happen is I'm going to take this podcast uh, course, and I'm going to end up with one episode. So it's a mm -hmm. month of my life uh, over Christmas break. I'm going to do it. And now, you know, 233 episodes later, I'm still doing it. And yeah. uh, and so that is almost like a demonstration to non-believers that, yeah, if you do want something, you can incorporate it in your life. So I'm, I'm like you always being fascinated, like, why do you think they keep coming up with ideas or things that they can say to themselves not to do it? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's because it's scary. It's a change. Our nervous systems, our bodies are wired that change is bad. If you change, you might, you know, if you're on the a tribe in Africa and you make a change, you might die, you might get eaten. So there's like a lot of internal wiring that says change is scary, it's hard, it's bad. And 
it it gets people in such a panicked state they don't even think through what it would be like. Like you said, like what's the worst that can happen? I take it, I give a podcast, nobody listens, and I'll be fine. But most people don't even think that far. They're like, if I do that, something bad might happen. I can't do it. And they just give up before they think about it. When I was exploring coaching, like it wasn't clear I could make a living at coaching. It wasn't clear I could make enough money to, you know, help pay my mortgage and things. But I put, I had money in the bank. I saved up money. And I'm like, look, if I don't, and if I don't make any money in the next year, then I'll go look for a job. That, you know, that's my backup plan. Like I can do that. I know how to look for a job. That's not going to, that's not the end of the world. I'll try it for a year. If it didn't work out, I'll learn it's not for me. And I will, and then I'll know. But I'd rather take the year and try it out and give myself a chance than wonder what would have been. Mm. And that's, I think, the, the, the bias I want people to have, like, try it out, try the experiment, try something. Because how are you going to know if you don't try it? That's powerful. I think that's fantastic advice. Uh, so Eric, I always, well, we talk a lot about uh, reconnecting to our essence, and you obviously are very attuned with yourself. Like in the days where, you know, you feel like this is not going my way, or we all have our ups and downs, of course. Is there anything else that you like to do to resource yourself to like feel that uh, reconnection to what matters? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, there's a few things like, first of all, I, I need to check in and make sure that I'm taking care of myself. There's this acronym HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So it's like, <laughs> check in. Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I lonely? <laughs> Am I angry about something? Okay, let me deal with that first. Let me go eat. Let me sleep. Let me reach out to a friend if I'm feeling lonely. And then I'm going to come back to what I'm looking at. Like, okay, now that I've taken care of my body's needs, how do I feel about this? So that's step one. Take care of your body. Step two for me is reconnecting to purpose. So it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Well, I want to connect to my clients. And so remembering it's not about me. And I think for me, that's really helpful. Like, it's not about me. It's not about my ego. It's not about trying to impress other people. It's about trying to help people. So like, I just released my book. You know, all my friends bought it on the first day. And then since then, there haven't been that many sales. And that's a little frustrating. I'll admit that. But I remind myself like, but those people that did buy it, people have been reading it. And they're saying, wow, this really helped me. I was struggling with this thing. I don't know what to, didn't know what to do. And reading your book and doing the exercises helped me figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. And those stories are worth more to me than all the book sales. And that's how I try to reconnect to what is my essence? What is my purpose? When I remember that, then it's like, okay, I can let go of the things I can't control. And these are the things I can do something about. Helping well, one person. If something came shining through the entire interview, Eric, is that you're definitely not motivated by money. So I can imagine that, yes, you want to sell books because you put a lot of effort into it. And the more people you inspire, the better. But I think that that's absolutely right. With even one person that tells you their life changed completely just because they read your book, I think there doesn't get better than that. Yeah. And I, I want to be very clear. Like, I have a lot of privilege in economic security. That's the reason I don't have to worry about money. Like, I worked at these very high paying jobs for a long time and saved a lot of money. And I didn't mention this, but part of the reason I have this security is my wife is an engineer at Apple. Like, mm. we're, we're going to be fine. <laughs> like, <there's nothing laughs> yes. 
That helps. We're not going to be starving on the street if I fail here. I mean, I still want to do my part. So that gives me a lot of privilege that I can do that. Not everybody has that privilege, and I want to be very aware of that. And actually, in the book, one of the things I'm proud of is I there's times when I actually insert a section that says privilege check. This is what works for me. This will not work for everybody. Right. I'm a white passing man. Like there are things that work for me that wouldn't work for a woman of color. And I want to be very aware of that and call that out. So yes, I can afford to not care about money because I've got money and I know not everybody's in that situation. And I feel like the, the being, being connected to my purpose is going to lead to better results and eventually lead to money. Because if you help people, if you create value, if you have the enthusiasm that I do, and you can feel it, I, I hope, yeah, then absolutely. that's going to lead that's going to lead to connection and that connection is eventually going to lead to money that's what i believe mm, I, I am with you and i applaud you and to give you credit yes the privilege and the money is important and people say yeah well that's what you did but i have to say and especially for a man i believe ego it's a big big component of decision making and the fact that you are able to leave ego on the side and that you're not driven by because by you know by a, a successful professional maybe say yeah well i could do this but how how am i going to be portrayed to others and how what people are going to say about me if my mom my my wife is the one making more money than me at this time that takes a very self-confident human being to achieve so, uh, I mean, I do uh, I agree that it's great to be uh, grateful, but at the same time, it takes it takes a lot of courage and, and being in a good mindset to, to do what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I do think ego plays such a role here because I hear these people that talk about like, well, when I hit my number, when I hit this level of savings, I'll retire, I'll do what I want. And as soon as I get to that number, they're like, eh, that's not quite enough. I see my friend has more, so I'm going to raise my number. And they raise their number and they never quit. And yes. You know, I hit my number and I'm like, okay, now I can do what I want. And I chose to do that. And, you know, that, but that took a lot of, again, clarity for me to do. I'm like, no, this is making more money is not the point of my life. And that was the choice I made when I left Google. It's like, that's not what my life is going to be about. My life is going to be about helping people and making enough money, not all the money, just enough. And that's where I am now. And I, I find it's, uh, again, clarifying. It's it's clear to be what I want to care about. And that's that's where I try to be, try to live my life. Hmm. I read somewhere that uh, happiness lies in resting in enoughness, like mm. learning what enoughness is and uh, recognizing and learning to be happy in there. <laughs> yeah, there's a great story. I can't remember who it was. It was some author went to a party of a billionaire and his friend is like, do you ever get jealous that this guy has so much money that you, you'll never have because you're an author? And the author is like, well, I have something this billionaire will never have. And the friend is like, what do you have? And the author said, enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, well, Eric, before we, we end, I always allow the guests to have, is there anything that we didn't discuss, anything that is exciting you these days, any project that you want to highlight? To the audience, you have, you know, an open microphone right now to just uh, give us your parting notes. Yeah, I mean, the the big project I'm excited about is obviously the book. I've spent the last year uh, writing and editing and designing the book. So we've already talked about that. I guess the parting thought I'll leave leave people with is 
If you are not satisfied with your life, I want you to recognize that you're not stuck. It doesn't have to be this way. And going back to what we started with, I want you to think about what is one thing you, the listener, can try to change your life, to do something different. And that doesn't mean waiting for somebody else to make a change. It doesn't mean like, oh, I want my manager to be different. What I want you to think about is like what you, the listener, can do differently. Because that's the only thing you control. It's your actions. And if I want you, if you try just one experiment, one thing different, one situation where you react differently than you normally would, you'll see that you can change your life. And in that moment where you realize that, I, I believe that you'll see that there, you have more choices than you think you, right, you have right now. Amen to that. I am inspired by you. I can see why you're doing good with your coaching business, Eric, because you do have a gift that I'm glad you're using for the benefit of the others. So I want to thank you for your time and for sharing all this knowledge and wisdom with the Back to Basics audience. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come on here. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, I just, I, this message is important to me and I'm, I appreciate get, you letting me share it with your audience. Absolutely. Well, to all of you out there, you heard Eric, start thinking about what that change is and make it happen. And meanwhile, I wish you all luck and until the next episode of Back to Basics. Bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.